This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be part of it. New York, New York. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news. Hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan. A couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. And welcome to the Start Spreading the News YouTube program on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. I am Paul Semendinger with my friend and co-host, Dr. E.J. Fagan. Often we bring in guests. This week, E.J. and I are going to handle the duties ourselves. E.J., we're number one. A couple weeks ago, uh, Gloved Fist, which comes on at 7 o'clock on Monday nights, took over the number one spot on the Northeast uh, uh, Streaming Sports Network. And we said we are going to recapture number one. And we've captured number one in some categories, but we haven't run the table yet. So I encourage everyone to watch Glove Fist because Jack Hirsch is a friend of mine. He's great. It's well worth watching, but we need... But if you're only going to watch one show, watch us. That's right. Yeah, if you're only going to watch one, you got to watch us because we're the best Mm -hmm. and and we need to be number one again. Uh, You know, it's we've we've gotten knocked down. It's like the 97 Yankees. You didn't like when I used the Rocky reference a couple weeks ago. So it's like the 97 Yankees, the world champs. They got knocked down. We're looking to have like a 1998 Yankee season, 125 wins, wire to wire, best team ever, and, you know, blow the the roof off the ratings and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, we're saying all this in jest and just having fun because it is fun. So, EJ, how are you doing today? Doing wonderful, Paul. I'm wishing myself a happy 35th birthday. So uh, I uh, had, had a very boring birthday today, but uh, enjoyed it. Weather is absolutely gorgeous here in Chicago. And I am going to a baseball game this Friday evening where the Yankees are coming into town playing the White Sox. So I'm That's very excited to awesome. go see some Yankees White, so- White Sox play. That's awesome. Have you been to whatever they call the new yes, Comiskey Park? Yes, U.S. Cellular Field. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mac, for the happy birthday. Uh, yeah, I have been there. It's awful. It's an awful stadium. I think we've mentioned in this podcast, on the, either on the podcast or on the show before, uh, it's very Yankee Stadium-like. Same um, designer. It, it's, but it's without the history and charm of Yankee Stadium even. It, it, it is an ugly ballpark. Um, and it's you know just in Chicago. It's a pain to get to. It's a pain to park. Um, it, is, it, is, uh, it is definitely the, the ugly stepchild to Wrigley Field. And you've been to Wrigley, correct? I have been to Wrigley. Yeah, you, you see, EJ, how come you haven't invited me out to, to spend a weekend? Hey, you're welcome and, anytime. Anytime I you know. want to come out, come on out. The, uh, <laughs> you, you can I, come I, visit I me too, anytime. Yeah, of course, yeah, well, you grew you're up in this area. area so. <laughs> I, 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 uh, anytime between May and uh, September, and other than that, don't come out. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm excited for this. Again, this is not my first game at uh, seeing the White Sox. This is my first Yankees-White Sox game. 
So that should be fun. I went to a, just a random game last year just to see the stadium and, and, you know, Wrigley was a great place to watch a random game. You know, the White Sox were, were, were less fun, but, uh, uh, you know, now I'm just excited to see the game. This is a fun team and I want to see the Yankees beat the White Sox. You know, EGM, we're both educators. Um, I come from a family of teachers. My wife is a teacher. My mom and dad were teachers. My grandma was a teacher. Um, lots of other aunts and uncles. And one of the things my mom taught me early on in my teaching career, way back in the 1980s, when I was just starting as a substitute teacher, she said, make sure you overplan every lesson. You never want to be caught short. So We've got a million things on our list to talk about today. I don't know if we'll get to them all, but one of the things, as you know, that we might have a chance to talk about is Yankee Stadium and some of the best stadiums we've been to and things like that. So I hope we have time for that discussion. But let's begin by talking about the Yankees and the Rangers. The Yankees just took two out of three from the Rangers after a number of rainouts and things like that and makeup games. So Unfortunately, here in this area, the first game of the doubleheader yesterday on Sunday was one of these you have to buy some other streaming service type of thing, which ends on Prime for this one. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you already buy all these different cable channels and things, and then you can't watch a game because they're going to, they want to milk you even for more money. That's just like paying a three or four times for the same thing. But so that annoyed me. And then I saw the end of the second game yesterday um, after the Mother's Day celebrations. And my parents were over my in-laws and, you know, my son and his wife uh, were able to come in from out of state and it was great. Uh, But by the time everybody finished all those celebrations, my other son uh, was able to call and Skype with us. And I got to see like three innings. And then today, I love day baseball, but when you're at work all day and you're doing what you need to do, I didn't get to see an inning. I got a text in the seventh uh, from a writer on Start Spreading the News that said, Nestor has a no-hitter. And then I was in meetings and things like that. And then I logged on at, I don't know, probably 4.05. And I'm like, I wonder if he threw a no-hitter. And it turned out he threw a one-hitter. But that's awesome. So I don't know how much of the games you saw, but just give us your recollections, your thoughts on the Yankees over this last three games with the Rangers. Sure. So I watched all three games. Nice. Um, I'm moving uh, in with you. Well, for today, I, you know, I have one of those jobs where I'm lucky enough I can put the game on in the background while I work. So I wasn't even paying attention, and all of a sudden I kind of look over as the sixth inning, and Esther Cortez doesn't have any hits. Um, so I got to watch that. I got to watch Give It Up. Uh, it, uh, Nestor Cortez looked nasty. He looked nasty in the eighth inning, in the eighth inning where he eventually gave up a single for the hit. Um, he was really near his top pitch count, so Aaron Boone takes him out right, right after that. But he by no means was he ineffective. He got five straight strikes. He, he had an 0-3 strikeout or an 0-2 strikeout. On the first batter, then went 0-2 in the second batter before giving up a single. I mean, he was just absolutely nasty. Um, and I want to talk well, about Let, let me interrupt you real quick because mm-hmm. you're just reminding me of something. I got the text as I was about to begin a faculty meeting. And I asked a couple of people because I was going to announce that he has a no-hitter. I said, do you believe in jinxes? And one person said no. And the other person said, mm, what do you mean? I said, if something were happening and somebody mentioned it, who has nothing to do with it, it is far away from it. Might that person be the jinx? And that person said it could happen. So I said, all right, I forget anything I'm mentioning. And so I let it drop. And then I didn't get a chance to see till after. EJ, do you believe in jinxes? If I, I had said something at the faculty meeting, like, the Yankees uh, have a no-hitter. If I had said that, would, would that have been the jinx? No, there's no there's no such thing as a jinx. There's not yeah, how the world God works. I don't believe uh, in it either. I, I will say, though, that um, you know, you're having the faculty meeting and you know it's a no-hitter, so whatever. But if, if it's a perfect game... 
I mean, I think you cancel the faculty meeting. I think that's the answer there. Um, the uh, it, it was a great start. Cortez is looking incredible. I want to ask you a question, Paul. I would talk about some of these other games too, but um, Nestor Cortez, at the beginning of the season, you were a skeptic, right? And you had a good reason to be skeptical, right? Nestor Cortez has never shown anything like this before, and all of a sudden he looked incredible. How are you feeling about Cortez now? Well, EJ, I'd be lying if I said that I'm very disappointed in him. He's had one bad start, and and it wasn't even terrible. It was his last time out, and he gutted his way through yeah, four a, a innings. Ben not something. break start, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Ben not break. I love that. Um, I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know <laughs> what he's doing to make it happen. I, I mean, we do. We're watching the games and all that, but. I, I think it's incredible, and I think it's wonderful that here's a guy that was cut by the Baltimore Orioles, cut by the Yankees, cut by the Seattle Mariners. Nobody wanted him, and he comes back. He magically finds a pitch, not unlike Mariano Rivera, and you know has figured out how to get it done. And, hey, listen, if this is for real, I love it. I, You know, sometimes there's people that make predictions and uh prognostications and things like this. And they say like, I'd rather be right. Um, and, and, and even if I make bad prediction, no, no, listen, I'm happy to be wrong. Right. I'm, I'm, I, I said, I wouldn't give seven years to Aaron judge. So I hope the Yankees give him 10 years. And for the next 10 years, he wins the MVP and becomes the all time home run King and hits 400 home runs a year. So everybody could say, Paul, you're dumb. Why wouldn't you have given him a contract? I, I was against DJ LeMayhew's six-year contract. I hope he hits 350 every year. And they say, Paul, that was a terrible idea. So am I a believer yet? Boy, you're pushing me really close to it. But it is only May. But I hope I'm wrong because he looks like the real deal. Boy, he looks like the ace. He just he – and he's does. fun. And he's I, fun. And he's smart, right? I mean, to me, I think that's that's the thing that that – really allows a player like Nestor to take that next level. And a lot of baseball players are smart, right? Garrett Cole's a smart guy, but he's also physically gifted in ways that, you know, Nestor Cortez is more physically gifted than I am. Uh, but compared to a lot of major league baseball players, you know, I don't think Nestor Cortez is winning that many skills competitions. Um, but he, he's been able to just kind of do everything right and do it consistently and, you know, be more than, more than the sum of his parts. And, and I'm just, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. He's, He's now my favorite bait player in the Yankees right now. I just absolutely love it. Every time Nestor, Nestor starts, I make sure to have the game on. I uh, picked him in fantasy baseball this year. That one's working out pretty well. Um, and and, and I just, I'm just so impressed by Nestor Cortez right now, and he was great in that game. What's interesting about the series is the Yankees scored five runs in three games, and they won two games. Right? They won this game 1-0. They, had, uh, they, they won the other game 2-1, and they lost the game 4-2 to that you know, they were threatening pretty late in. And um, I, I think it's time to be a little concerned about this offense. There's a lot of players who are still struggling. You know, for a while, it looked like, jo like Josh Donaldson was going to pull out of his slump. He kind of got back into another slump. We're now kind of at uh, kind of long-term John Carlos Stan, not looking all that great territory. Um, he's not been awful, right? His OPS is in the 700s, but he isn't looking like the center of a lineup right now. Aaron Hicks has come back to earth. DJ LeMayu has come back to earth a little bit. Now, some of this is... You know, the pitching they're facing, the weather that they're having, for example, the the, the wind took at least a game, <clears throat> excuse me, at least a whole month out of the Yankees uh, on Sunday. I mean, they they were they had, they were just getting absolutely hammered by a wind blown straight in, knocking down big balls. And there probably were two more home runs, if not for the wind. 
Um, so there, you know, there's weather explanations for this. There's, there's, there's interesting reasons why you might, you know, you might see some players not perform well, but this team is just not hitting. <clears throat> there's now there, there are guys who I expect to hit better who are, who are not hitting well and guys who I'm pretty happy are, are with the way that they're hitting. But generally speaking, th- this team is, has had some offensive problems and it's saved just by this incredible pitching staff. Now, so far. yeah. So, you know, one of the guys, he came up in a big spot yesterday is when I was still watching the game. I think it was the bottom of the eighth uh, judge comes up. I believe it was with the bases loaded and he made a pretty good swing and he flew out. And one of those swings that would judge, even though he didn't, look like it was going to be a home run when he first hits it. You think Felt like against all reason, like maybe yeah. might that be one of those home runs that just carries, but it wasn't, it was just a regular. That one fell, that, that's one of the ones I, I was thinking of going like, that could be a home run. That, that, that was a pretty, that, that, that was like a, a, a wall scraper right there. Um, and just, you know, went right to the outfield there with the wind. What do you, uh, what that do you said, think this is not a one game problem. Correct. Um, but do you attribute this low strike this low ball being called a strike on Aaron judge to part of the concern, you know, a couple of years ago, we talked about this a lot. And then I've seen this with judge. He was laying off that pitch. Not the, mm-hmm. not necessarily the curveball or the slider that goes down in a way he's always flailed at that. Um, but just the straight fastball that's down below his knees. I, you know, I don't watch every inning of every game. So, but, what I was seeing was he was laying off that till recently when it's all of a sudden starting to be called a strike again. And then I've seen him swing through a couple of low pitches that I think he might've let laid off if that was being called correctly. What, what is the problem? Why can't they get this call right? And, and why does it only seem to be Aaron judge? That's the guy on the receiving end of this. Yeah. Look, I mean, Aaron judge, this has been a problem for judge for years. Um, there's been times when umpires have been a little better times when it would have been a little worse. Aaron Boone got thrown out arguing basically a set of these calls. I mean, the, the call that he ended up getting thrown out on was a strike, but judge had lost three or four strikes that should have been balls throughout the course of the game. And that can really impact a player. I think if you have a fair strike zone to Aaron judge, I mean, he could be a three thirty hitter and he, he could be just absolutely incredible because you're right. He, he right now has to compensate for those low pitches. Pitchers know it. Aaron judge knows it. Why do umpires call that that down there? I think they're just used to players being shorter than he is. But how, um, how come they can't fix it? I, yeah, I mean, I I think it's because one, they don't they're, they're not incentivized to fix it. Um, this is just how you know th- this is just how um, umpires work, right? They 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 understand that if a, they they've seen the thousand balls come in right here, right, and that's a, that's usually a, a a strike. But for Aaron Judge, right. It's, you know, this should be a strike or something like that, right? Like the, the, they're not used to players being his size. And so I think they're just, they just have a blind spot for it. This is the, the argument for a robo strike zone. Um, there's other good arguments that, you know, for example, I think, uh, I think on the broadcast, uh, Cameron Maven was talking about the, or Cameron Maven and Paul O'Neill were talking about how uh, the strike zone expands and contracts based on the count. And that actually tends to, to hurt hitters um, because the, the pitchers have essentially more pitches to play with. And if you called a fair strike zone, I think you probably have more hitting. And, and I think this is just point. one of those cases of Aaron Judge. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, I, don't, I bet it's not just Aaron Judge. I bet if I pulled the data right now and I just look at pitch at, at batter height and looked at low strikes or, or miscalled uh, low strikes, I think you'd probably see a lot more pitches that are uh, that are wrong for, for players who are tall. Aaron Judge is just the tallest hitter. He's the, he's the biggest hitter basically ever. There's been a couple of big, tall, lanky guys, nothing, no one of his size and kind of his, his ability to, to hit for power. And, and so he, 
just kind of just has that disadvantage. Um, I also, I mean, I just, when you look at judges proportions too, like he's got a lot below the knees, if that makes sense. Right. Like he, it, it, it's, um, it, he, he just, it seems like differently, differently sized than a lot of players who are also very tall. Yeah. I, I and I, maybe that's just me kind of just looking at judge and, and he is kind of oddly shaped for a baseball player. Um, but I mean, I, 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 this has been a problem for years and it's going to continue to be a problem until major league baseball either makes the umpires do it. And for lots of reasons, major league baseball doesn't like to do that. Or, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they, it's two robo arms, which they seem like they really, really want to do. Um, so, so, but, but actually, I, well, here's the interesting thing. So, I, I just looked this up. So, Paul, if you had to guess, if I took one, a one hitting statistic, this is a hitting statistic called WRC plus, and all it is is it's just a summation of all your various hitting, you know, slugging, um, slugging, batting, on base percentage, adjusted for ball, ballpark, um, where 100 is average, and um, uh, is league average. Anything below 100 is below average. Anything above 100 is above average. If you had to guess where the Yankees are on that scale, what would you guess? Because this shocked me just right now. WRC plus out of all 30 major league teams? Yeah, so so give me a rank. Where are they? And give me um, – uh, so ranks are they, you know, first, second, third, 30th? Are they uh, – and what is the number? So the number compared to 100. 100 would be average. All right, except for about a five-day period when the Yankees seemed to all of a sudden, I guess last week or so, start scoring runs in bunches or a week and a half ago, they haven't really been scoring a whole lot of runs. So I'm going to say, but on the other hand, and we talked a couple weeks ago how scoring is down across baseball, and there's uh, articles everywhere about the ball is much harder to hit out and the weather hasn't been great. It's been a rainy spring. So I'm going to say run scoring's down everywhere anyway. But as a Yankee-centric guy, uh, I'm going to say it's a little worse for the Yankees just because. So I'm going to say their WRC Plus number is underneath average, close but underneath, 97.4. And on out of 30 teams, I'm going to say the Yankees are the 18th worst. There's only 12 teams worse than the Yankees. So slightly below average. So last time I checked this, that's exactly where they were. And that was a, that was a couple of weeks into the season. They were actually pretty far. No, don't, don't do this yet. Uh, oh, pretty far I'll below take that average. Back. I just checked this today. So this does not include today's game. So this is going to go down a little bit from today's game, though not a ton. The Yankees right now, according to WRC+, Plus, have the best offense in baseball. They have 119 RWRC plus, so 19% better than average. They're just ahead of the Rays at 118 and the Mets at 118. They're collectively, they've hit 241, 318, 412. That's how bad major league hitters are this season. And so we need to readjust our expectations until something changes. For now, this is the lowest run scoring environment of my lifetime. Uh, that means that the Yankees only scoring five runs in a, in a, in a three game series is going to be enough for them to win some games. Not a lot of games, right? You, you'd prefer to score more than that, but the Yankees could conceivably in this run scoring environment, win two of those games pretty often. Um, they're going to have a lot of games that are one. Oh, they're going to have a lot of times when, you know, you're, you have a, uh, you know, you're, you have a big double in the ninth and that's the only run you, run you score. Um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm happy about that, but I am shocked 
that this is the number. I would have guessed exactly what you guessed uh, before now. Now they had a, they had about a week and a half where they scored a ton of runs. And here's the thing: not a lot of teams have had that week and a half where they scored a ton of runs. So right now I have up the you know the team by team rankings. But if I just take this and instead I look at league league by league rankings, so what is the average major league hitter today right now in Major League Baseball? The average hitter hit 232, 306, 370. That batting line would not have made most most major league teams five years ago. And that's an average hitter, right? 306 on base percentage. I at 330 used to be the average. It's 30 points less than, than average. 370 selecting percent. They have a 23% strikeout rate. Um, the Yankees are better than that. And, and a lot of that's driven by Aaron Judge, let's be honest, and, and to some extent, Anthony Rizzo, right? Those guys are really carrying the team right now. But not, not a lot of teams have that player. I mean, you look at a lot of players who signed this offseason who we were upset that the Yankees didn't sign. You look at Corey Seager, Marcus Semyon for the Rangers this series. They're, they're awful. Uh, Carlos Correa has been awful. Um, you know, there's some players who are standing out, as there always are, right? Mike Trout is, always, is still incredible. You know, you, you, can, you can go down the list of, of real standout players, but the story in Major League Baseball right now is everybody is struggling to hit, and the Yankees are not only the best hitting team in baseball, they're the best pitching team in baseball. They're the best team in baseball. I, well, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the pitching, and that's, that's where my logic was on that. I'm saying yeah. EJ's driving at something here. I interrupted you with the questions about judge in the strike zone, just as you were on the precipice of talking about the bullpen. And so my thought was you were going to say the Yankee pitching is so outstanding that it's carried the team, even though their offense is below average. And on the, on the other half of, um, you know, the, on the other half of mediocre. And so I, I thought you were going to say like, yep, that's why I, I went low, and you're going to say like, that's right? how I mean, great that, the pitching I, is. Yeah, my, I mean, watching the games, I, I can't help but have that exact feeling, right? That this is a not a, a team that is not hitting, and therefore it is getting carried by a pitching staff. But the reality is, is they're doing both, and baseball right now is not hitting. That is, is a very weird situation. Mike says it's 1968 all over again. I agree. The Yankee the Rudy, Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson had an ERA that looked a lot like Nestor Cortez. Just saying. Yeah, and do you know who else was really great that year? Speaking of Nestor Cortez, Luis Tion. I think Luis Tion's the only guy or one of the very few guys ever to have an ERA in two different seasons under 2.0. I mean, in modern modern times. I'm going to look that up while you're talking, and I'll I'll give you an update. I just want to look up the Yankee pitching right now. So right now I'm, I'm looking at the just the ERA by by pitching staff in Major League Baseball. The worst is the Cincinnati Reds with an 8.54 ERA this season. Wow. The Reds are on track right now to be one of the worst teams of all time, worse than the 62 Mets, I believe, whatever that really bad Mets team was. Um, but if I, if I look over here at the Yankees, the Yankees are the best in the American League by quite a lot. There are two National League teams better than the Yankees. The Dodgers are just incredible this year. Um, they have a 1.83 team ERA this year, which is just uh, just unfathomable. Fathomable. The the Arizona Diamondbacks have a team ERA of 2.21. That's something I would not have expected. But the Yankees are number, uh, number three, first in the American League, with a 2.79 ERA. The next best team in the American League is almost half a run worse at, at the Houston Astros. So the Yankees are just running away with the pitching competition right now. Their, their starters are amazing. Their bullpen is absolutely bulletproof. And, um, and, and the surprise is, is that they can hit too. It's a, it's a weird season. 
Um, let me let me let me go back to Tion because they called uh, they mentioned this in the game the other day that they're calling Nestor Cortez the modern day Luis Tion or something like that. In 1968, Tion's ERA was 1.60, and that was the year mm-hmm. of the pitcher, obviously. But in 1972, we followed that up a couple of years later with an ERA of 1.91. I don't think people remember how great of a pitcher Luis Tion actually yeah, was. I had no idea. You know, if you had to ask me what player does he remind me of, he's a lefty Al Duque. Right? And he's similar. Got, yeah. He's, he's got all the tricks up his sleeve. He's not someone that you look at and say, like, he's the best athlete on this team. Uh, but he's smart and he's able to to kind of to to get by with 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 less stuff than a lot of the other players on the team. El Duque at times is a better pitcher than Roger Clemens for the Yankees. And, and El Duque was so much fun. I love him. Oh, it was, it was my favorite my favorite pitcher growing up by far. He was just he was the best. Um so yeah, and you know, I I I just I I I, I think he can keep it up. I, I wouldn't bet on I wouldn't sign him to a 10-year deal right now, right? But um, you know, for now, I don't think there's any reason to think he won't be very, very good going forward. Probably not 1.5 ERA good, but you know, pretty good. Um, yeah. Wow. Good the, stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, um, I yeah, I, I I think this was the lesson of the, of the, of this this last week. So the Yankees lost three games. They we, they didn't have a game. They they the two games that were rained out, and then they had uh, the doubleheader, and then they had a game during the off day. Um, th- we're going to see. If the Yankee p- pitching staff can keep this up, the Yankees will be playing 22 straight games. Their next off day is May 30th. That's a very long time. And in fact, they have a loaded June as well. This means that they're going to need length from their starting pitching. Garrett Cole went into the seventh inning yesterday. Um, Jordan Montgomery went into, I believe, the sixth or seventh inning. Nestor Cortez is going. It went into the eighth inning today. Um, they need it. They can't be pitching Mike King for three or four innings every four days. I mean, that's just, that's going to kill him. Um, you know, he gave up some runs. You know, I, I don't think there's anything to really read into that other than the fact that he's not perfect. Um, but, you know, you have a lot of pitchers on this team that are going to need the rest over the next few weeks. And so I'm glad the Yankees are in a place where they're comfortable with their starting pitching going deep into games. I now want to see uh, Severino do that. We know when Severino's on, he throws strikes. Um he hasn't really been on, even when he's been, he, he has been effective this season. He has not been that guy to go deep into a game. He's the guy that gets removed from Mike King in the fifth inning. And I'll be looking for that in his next, in his next start, because if the Yankees can get all five starting pitchers going that deep, then they can really stretch this bullpen. They can every night have Clay Holmes or Mike King or, you know, Raul Chapman, Jonathan Luizaga out for an inning or two and never have to be in that situation where, you know, those guys have all pitched three straight games and, you know, you got to go to Wandy Rodriguez, you know, Wandy for, uh, uh, for, for the ninth inning. Yeah. Great point. You know, it's, it's as a Yankee fan, you want to see your team win. What are they? 20 and eight now, something like that. They're, they're, it's, it's fun. Now I think somebody uh, did some research and found out that the Yankees, have the easiest schedule or one of the easiest schedules that any team is playing. And so that makes you say, Hmm, but you know what? My, my philosophy is you have to win the games that they have in front of you and a win in April and a win in May counts just as much as a win in July and August and September. And the Yankees should be then winning all these games if they're playing if they're playing bad teams and when yeah, they they're, play they're, good they're trying teams, to have games up on the Rays so yeah, they, they, they can good lose teams, they've, they've a couple of games them. against the Rays right they, yeah. like they, they they have a bunch of games coming up uh, coming up against the Rays at the end of this month beginning of next month I think they have nine games 
uh, in, in the, in the, over the course of two weeks. They could lose, you know, five of those games and you know, still be in first place at this point. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good position to be in. And frankly, the rest of the AL East isn't looking too competitive. Yeah, that, that is correct. And the Red Sox haven't looked good at all. So interesting stuff. You know, it's always fun. That's, uh, that's baseball. You know, Susan, that's baseball. Uh, as John Sterling would say, let's, let's change gears a little bit here. Um, you know, I watch all the Yankee games as many as I can uh, this weekend and today, notwithstanding, et cetera, of course. And I keep watching all these promotions, right? Oh, come to the stadium. There was a time when I would get excited about the Yankees promotional schedule. And I would look at, look at the Yankees promotional schedule and go, Oh, maybe I'll go to this game or maybe I'll go to that game. That looks like a really cool item to get. And I don't know, just lately, it seems like it's the same thing over and over again. It's a bobblehead. It's Andy Pettit bobblehead. It's Yoda wearing a Yankee hat bobblehead bobblehead. It's Scooby-Doo bobblehead. Um, over and over. And if it's not a bobblehead, it seems like it's a hat. So, EJ, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. The Yankees just named you director of marketing. And they said, but you got to come up with something different, man. We want to come up with something that's going to get people into the ballpark. Some really great giveaways or just one really great giveaway. If you have a lot of ideas, we'll, we'll take them all. But what, what kind of thing would you think would be fun to give away that would draw people to the, uh, to the stands and then have something that they'd actually treasure and keep and put on their bookshelf or something. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. It's tough because you got to think about what, you know, you can hand out to 40,000 people. And, and, and um, uh, so for example, I'd love to see a t-shirt. Here's the problem with t-shirts, the sizes, right? You got to have all sizes at every gate. If you, if you hand out t- uh, t-shirts, Yankee Rudy says Yankees jock straps. You know, I, I think um, you know I, I would love uh, I would love a nice a, a nice kind of not like Yankees hat, but like a, a, a Yankees hat with a twist. I think I, I would that'd be something that I, I'd enjoy. Um, but I think the answer is just fewer giveaways. Fewer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the there's there's too many, right? There, there's uh, I, I have not, I have not had a lot of bobbleheads in my time, right? I don't go to that many games. Unfortunately, I live out of town. Uh, I did go to a lot of Devils games for a long portion of my life. And I got a lot of bobbleheads sitting on a shelf that I don't really care that much about. And there's bobbleheads for players I really love. There's bobbleheads for players that are just kind of on the team. So, for example, this year they they gave out a bobblehead for uh, their their kind of top uh, offseason signing. They signed a a defenseman named Dougie Hamilton. And Hamilton didn't have a great first season. He was injured for most of the season with with the Devils. They clearly ordered the bobbleheads the minute they signed him and decided to give them out a little bit later. I'm not excited for a Dougie Hamilton bobblehead game. When he wins the Norris Trophy, I'll be excited for it. But right now, he's just kind of a disappointing player. It'd be like giving out a Carl Pavano bob- a bobblehead. It's not something that you would really want. Um, and so, you know, Andy Pettit, you know, I, I could be motivated for an Andy Pettit bobblehead. But, you know, an Aaron Hicks bobblehead, probably not. And, and to me, I think that's the, that's the answer right there. I'm going to um, tell you my answer. Go for but it. But first, we have a very important message. The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience, August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders. 
while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the Fireman's Chili Cook-Off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Good stuff. That's going to be a big event that's coming up uh, in Connecticut. And I encourage everybody who has the ability to get there to take a look and to support uh, the Dream Ride. It should be should be phenomenal. All right, EJ, I left them hanging. My great idea for a promotion. I'm tired of bobbleheads. Uh, I think with most bobbleheads, they end up sitting on your shelf, and then you're like, eh, how many more bobbleheads can a human being have? And I don't have a whole lot of them, but the ones we have that we've gotten out of stadiums, now we, they just sit in boxes. And it's one of those things that you say, well, maybe – the grandchildren of my grandchildren will be able to sell them on whatever eBay looks like in 150 years because all the rest of them will be gone and maybe it'll be worth 10 bucks or something and and they'll be able to get a candy bar at that time for the bobblehead that nobody wants any longer. Um, so anyway, here's my idea and tell me if you like it. I'm thinking autographs of Yankees. Now here's here's my thought. I, I used to be a season ticket holder, a partial season ticket holder, and I, I this was my idea for them. Every year, the Yankees will send a Christmas card to their season ticket holders, whether you have a full plan or a partial plan, just to like, hey, happy holidays or whatever. And part of that's like, hey, don't forget to renew. And a couple of years, they put like a little tiny trinket of an ornament for your tree or whatever in there. And I thought, wouldn't it be better if they gave little cards out to the players and they just said, Hey guys, you got to sign a hundred of these or a thousand of these or however many. And then they have those things out at back at, uh, at, um, I was going to say back to school night at old timers day. And they put it, bring it into the executive room. So Cashman has to sign a couple hundred and Hal Steinbrenner. And it's just like the Yankees. Thank you. And you stick them all in envelopes. And when the people and you randomly throw them all over the place, so they're not in any order, nobody knows who's in each envelope. And when the fans come to the gate, they just get handed an envelope and then you open it up. You might get Derek Jeter. You might get Reggie Jackson, or you might have Kevin Moss or Homer Bush or somebody in between. You might get Mattingly or whatever. I, it just would be an absolute blast. And it'd be something so totally different. I think it would draw people to the, to the stadium. And I think it would be such a rush. Like, who did I get? It's like collecting baseball cards all over again. But they're autographs, official Yankee autographs on official Yankee autograph card stock. What do you think? Okay, so yes, it would be fun. Uh, I just did the math. So let's say uh, Yankee Stadium is a 54,000-seat capacity. You got to sign a few extra because people come in unevenly at gates. So let's say they have to sign 60,000 letters. That means each player on the 26-man roster – Maybe you can decrease this a little bit if you had some executives. Have to sign 2,300 envelopes or letters. That's a lot. That's a lot. That, right, right. right, but you're asking, you're asking all the former Yankees too. Okay. I mean, if, look, if you, can, if you can make that number instead of 26, if you could divide that between 60,000, so you divide that between, you know, let's say 50 different people, right? That's, that's I think, a reasonable number. That's still – that's still over a thousand uh, per person. I don't know. I think that, that seems that seems to, I think there's a reason why that they would if they were to do this, they would do it electronically, which is much less cool. Oh, what about the first ten thousand people? 
you could do that, right? And then all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, again, if it's 50 people, you're talking about each, each of them signing 200. That's a little more doable. Um, I, I still think good luck convincing the players to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's fun. You know, I, I will say, I don't know if the Yankees do this, um, but I know some teams will do a fan appreciation day where they'll essentially, you know, give out raffle tickets when you enter. And then they'll give away a couple hundred different items kind of in between each inning. Um, to me, that's a, a fun thing to do. Um, you know, but I, I, I don't know the, the, the autograph thing. I don't, I, um, I, I, I think logistically it's, it's, it's problematic as cool as it would be. All right. I, I, I love the idea cause I made it up and I think it'd be kind of fun. So speaking of Yankee stadium, and then after this, we're going to talk a little about some minor leaguers, but we, we, we teased this at the beginning. What are your impressions of Yankee Stadium? Do you love the stadium? Do you, are you disappointed in the stadium? What what do you, what what's what are your feelings on? I don't like Yankee Stadium. Um, I've been you know again I have I um you know look I, I spent a lot of time in old Yankee Stadium as a kid uh, back when I was living in New Jersey but you know 2009 Yankee Stadium that's the year I graduated college uh, and I immediately moved to Washington D.C. and so I spent a lot of times at other stadiums and not that much time at Yankee Stadium. I spent a lot of time at Nationals Park, and I can just say that it's a much more fun place to watch a ball game. Yankee Stadium, it's very corporate. It's very concrete. It's kind of boring in a lot of ways. It is trading on its history. And unfortunately, it doesn't have that much history. Right? It, it is, as a ballpark, it looks like it's a facsimile of the, the, old, the old stadium, but it doesn't have the feeling that the old stadium has. So when you talk about great ballparks, you walk into Wrigley Field, you feel the history walking into Wrigley Field, like you felt it in old Yankee Stadium. You feel the history walking into Fenway, as grimy as it is. Um, you don't feel that in, in, in Yankee Stadium. And, and I think they made a bad decision to go full nostalgic. I think they should have built the best shrine to baseball you could come up with with something new. Let, let a designer go crazy and, and just build something absolutely beautiful. And a lot of ballparks have done that. Um, you know, we, we talk about it, we talk about, well, I guess we're going to talk about our favorite stadiums, but all of my favorite stadiums are unique places. They're places that you, that aren't similar to any other place you go watch a baseball game. And that's the, that's the cool thing about, um, about, about baseball. I mean, you, you go to a, a, a an NBA or NHL game, it's the same place. The dimensions very feel their standard and there's not that much you can do with an enclosed space. There's some nicer, you know, uh, arenas. If you ever have a chance, go up to the Bell Center in Montreal. Absolutely amazing place to watch a, watch a hockey game. Um, but for the most part, they're 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 very similar. You go to you go to Dallas's uh, uh, arena. You go to um, you go to Washington's arena in DC. They're the exact same layout. I mean, they they are they are identical to each other. Um, and um, I, I just think that the Yankees missed a major opportunity. Unfortunately. Yeah, they got to live with it. This is a ballpark that's going to last for another 30, 40, 50 years. And so they're, you know, they can do little things. They can make the food better. The current Yankee catering company is just awful. It's not any good. It's uncreative. It's if you go to many other ballparks, you get much more interesting food uh, than you get at Yankee Stadium. Um, but, you know, that's one thing. Besides that, there's not a whole lot that they can do other than, you know, try to do some inventive stuff in between. Uh, you know, in, in, in between innings, you know, every time I go to a Yankee game, I'm always I can predict exactly what's going to happen between each inning because it hasn't changed in 30 years. And yeah, you know, sometimes that's tradition, but sometimes it's just uncreativity. That's not um, tradition. The, the, tradition the scoreboard is, is that, stuff is not tradition. Exactly. YMCA is not tradition. Right. Singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" at a Cubs game that's tradition. That's tradition. Right. But that's something that's evolved organically. And I really think that the way you, you make new things evolve organically is is you experiment. 
and they just haven't been doing that. Um, there's other things that I don't think they can get around. Like for example, the, the people close to the field, the seats are half empty because they have lounges they're all sitting in. Um, you know, sometimes I don't blame people on a bad day for going in to see a lounge, but it, it just makes the experience less, less fun. It's less noisy. There's less, you know, proximity to the players, uh, between the fans and players. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's just, it's just not a, not a, 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 a great way to watch a ball game. So, so the way I would fix that, because that you, you answered your fixes, um, would be that somehow they monitor which seats are empty at the end of the third inning, you know, which people's box seats down below are, are empty and in between innings or over the next inning or so, they just keep uh, going up to people that they doesn't have to be on the scoreboard or anything. It's just the Yankee stadium, uh, you know, personnel come up to people at randomly picked seats around and they go, guess what? You just got the Yankee stadium upgrade. And they bring you down and they fill up the lower part, the part that everybody sees on TV so that it's full. And it would just give a better feeling. It would get louder. If you put the common folk, excuse me, if you put the common folk, I'm just going to mute the mic real fast. Uh, so Paul's going to say, if you put the common folk back down there, down there, uh, it's going to get field. louder. I wonder if any teams do it. I mean, honestly, I think it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, my problem is those seats are empty for sold out games. And so the seats are sold and people are there. They're just, again, they're in the lounges. Or maybe they ask them, are you going to go use your seats or are you going to stay in the lounge? I'm staying in the lounge, man. All right, good. We're giving them a yeah, Good luck on that. I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to, is going to, that's going to happen very often because, you know, they, they're going to go back and forth to, to their seats. I think the problem is just, it's, those seats are too expensive. They are. Um, there's a big concrete wall between those seats. So this problem used to, used to be solved by people sneaking up. Right. And, and, or, or ushers just, you know, after the fifth innings being like, ah, go, go for it. Right. And I think that's the attitude that you have to have. Um, and that's how you get those seats packed for those late, exciting innings. Um, but they built the stadium to make that impossible. Which is a shame. All right. So name your favorite two stadiums real quick. And then we're going to talk minor leaguers. Sure. So I've been to a lot of, a lot of different stadiums. I'm going to say my favorite two stadiums. One is one place I've been to one game, one place where I've been to many games. So the place I've been to one game that's one of my favorites is San Francisco. Mm. Um, if anyone here has not seen a game in San Francisco, go to a game, go to a night game while it's still light outside and watch kind of the mist come in off the river, off the, uh, off the bay. You can see the full bay from the upper deck. It's actually the best place to watch, in my opinion, an upper deck game because the view is just panoramic absolutely gorgeous looking out into the into the bay um just a unbeatable unbeatable place to watch a ball game um i just highly highly recommend if you're in san francisco go see a baseball game it's very very cool the other place is a place i just mentioned i've been to a lot of games and it's nationals park i just fond memories of nationals park because i spent a lot of time there um i as, as I, I think i've mentioned on the show I, I bought an apartment when i was uh, when i was living in dc two blocks away from nationals park so I would just get some cheap tickets on on SeatGeek when I left when I left work, and I'd go see a game and I walk home and it was it was absolutely it, it was it was it was amazing like I I every day I regret uh, moving out of that apartment even though I moved for good reasons and it's all turned out well for me um, I I just loved living that close to to the game being able to have a few drinks and be able to walk home um, being able to take the metro there after work, I I'd be able to walk by the stadium just on a normal day, which I used to do all the time. I used to go kayaking right in front of it. Um, I I absolutely love that. Yankees already mentioned Wrigley Field. 
Um, I've been to one game at Wrigley Field. It was an amazing game. I loved it. It's another great ballpark. I'm going to another game there hopefully pretty soon. I've never been to the Great American Ballpark. Heard great things about it, but never been there. I believe Mike Whiteman, who was commenting earlier and is a writer for Start Spreading the News, I believe he was just there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I'm so sure it's pretty cheap to get tickets right now. So, uh, <laughs> yes, they're not winning. That's for that's for certain. So, my favorite ballpark. I haven't been to all of them. Been to Fenway. Been to Yankee Stadium. Been to City Field. Actually, I've been to more than you'd think. I guess Royal Stadium, but doesn't matter. Um, my favorite of them all is Camden Yards. I, I've oh, yeah. just been there a number of times, and it's just fantastic. And so, so that's my favorite. But EJ, again, I'm teasing stuff, and I don't want us to get derailed. We only have about 15 minutes left, and people want to know about these um, Yankee minor leaguers. And Mike Whiteman's saying, I was there, and it was a great, uh, nice ballpark. But we need to give an update because a lot of the people – um, are believing that these Yankee prospects are the next wave of great baseball players. And they just might be. I haven't really followed them. And so I was hoping you could give us, I'll, I'll say a name and you give us an update on how these guys are doing to begin the year. Is their stock up? Is their stock down? Or is it too early to tell? And if they're doing great, why? And if they're not doing great, why not? Ready? Yep. All right. Anthony Volpe. All right. So Volpe came into this year. He was the number 11th hitting prospect in baseball. He has not had a great start to the season, though by no means a disastrous start to the season. So right now I'm going to use this statistic a lot. This is, again, that WRC plus statistic. What you need to know is just a summary of how good they've been as a batter in general. 100 is average. Anthony Volpe for his league is 110. So he's a little bit above average, but if you look at his stats last year, he was 154 at high A last year, uh, and he was one of the very best hitters in the minor leagues. So not great. Uh, a lot of that was the first couple weeks of the season. So we had a very, very slow start in early, in, in early to mid-April. And over the last few weeks, he's really turned it on. So I, I'm, I'm not worried about Anthony Volpe. He's at the point, for a while, he was striking out a lot, not walking a lot. Now he's walking more than he struck out. He's been hitting big home runs. He's been hitting clutch home runs. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, but Anthony Volpe, uh, probably not the start of the season that anybody in the Yankee, Yankee world wanted. He's probably got a few pegs knocked down in the prospect list, but still very much a prospect. Awesome. So we should feel still feel good about Anthony Volpe. Yeah, and, and generally speaking, all these guys, there's guys we're going to talk about that have a really rough start. It's early. Um, and minor league parks suffer from very similar like weather problems, sometimes worse, more extreme weather problems. Uh, then Major League Baseball, they don't have as much equipment to kind of keep them warm when it's very cold outside. And the Yankees have a lot of very cold weather parks, including Somerset, where uh, where Volpe's been playing. So I wouldn't worry too much about this uh, about this yet. Um, but uh, not a great start, but not as bad as the, probably the next guy, guy we're uh, going to talk about. All right. And that's Oswald Peraza. Oswald Peraza, horrible start. Um, he has a 67 hey, he WRC. He is currently playing at AAA. So he's at okay. Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Um, he had he had a, a large part of the season last season at Double A, so he's by no means rushed to Triple A, and he's just been bad. Um, he has a 67 WRC plus. Um, he's hitting 202. He has no power. Uh, he's not striking out a ton, which is good news. Um, so you can hope that maybe some of this is some bad luck from from bad contact. Um, but generally speaking, this is not what you want from from Oswald Peraza. I think the big news here is that. Um, uh, like other than some home runs, he's actually got, I believe seven home runs on, or he's got two home runs in the season. So, so his power is basically gone. 
And that's not good. Last year, he he really lasted on really strong power. Don't know how he's been doing on defense. I would suspect he's doing probably pretty well on defense. But there is uh, under no Oswald Peraza is not forcing his way to to be called up right now. And if the Yankees had a middle in, middle infield injury, I don't think they'd call him up. Mm. That's 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 a stock down definitely. You know, there's a a friend of mine, a writer named Barry Sparks. He's got a book coming out. Uh, later this summer called the search for the next Mickey mantle. We did a couple of uh, uh, excerpts on start spreading the news, which by the way, everyone check out the new site. It's newly designed and it looks great. Um, Just went up today after a weekend of of a slow molasses like upgrade update, but it's up now. Start spreading the news. The new look looks phenomenal. Doesn't look great. That's yeah, uh, Ethan really Semendinger, my son. And then Andy Singer came to the palatial Semendinger estate and, uh, you know, helped around the edges and, and really helped Ethan make sure this thing was going to be great. So we're very excited about that. But anyway, Barry Sparks is the book and he details all sorts of guys, including Bobby Mercer, Mike Trout, Kirk Gibson, Roger Repos, all sorts of guys, Bill Robinson, who are going to be the next Mickey Mantle. And that's the next guy in our list is... We've heard about this from him, Jason Dominguez. Yeah, I, 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 I'd say next Mike Trout. And uh, there were some mm-hmm. scouting reports when he was signed that Jason Dominguez would be the next Mike Trout. He's got kind of that big, strong body, the way that a lot of baseball players don't have, ran really well, you know, had all the tools, and has just been very bad in the minor leagues, and that, that includes this season. He's currently hitting uh, 90 WRC+, plus, so slightly below average for his league. He's still down in low A, and the real problem is he's striking out like crazy. Um, he's got power. He can run. Uh, he actually looks a little more athletic than he did last year. Last year, he put on a lot of weight up here uh, and got really thick down below, which meant that he wasn't running as well. He fixed a lot of those problems, but has not fixed his swing. Um, I think the Yankees probably rushed him. You know, this is a guy who a lot of Dominican, you know, especially very high-end Dominican athletes, they play basically like scrimmage leagues um, for mo- much of you know much of their teens. And then they're 16 years old and they sign a big contract. And they never get even, you know, think about what a, what a high school baseball player gets, right? They don't get that. And, and they don't, they sign before they're 18 years old. Uh, Jason Dominguez is now 19 years old and, uh, you know, is not good. So uh, not very good. I don't think he'd make a top 100 prospect list right now if anyone was making it. And I think he, if he doesn't turn around, we're not going to be talking too much about Jason Dominguez pretty soon. Wow. Wow. Talk yep. about stock down. How yep. about Austin Wells? Austin Wells. I, but I just want to mention with Dominguez, this happens all the time with like first round draft picks, right? Think about him as as a, as a high first round high school hitter, but you draft him when he's 16. And that's the problem. And uh, and so it wasn't particularly good. Austin Wells, on the other hand, a college hitter, is hitting right now like a all-star college hitter should hit in the minors. Uh, so right now he has a 154 WRC+. plus. He's one of the very best hitters in the minor leagues. The Yankees sent him to high A. 22 years old. He was from a big baseball program, a big college baseball program, and they were concerned about his defense. And so they, they're slow walking him. Uh, they also have, you know, some other players playing kind of catcher DH a little bit higher up in the minors. They, they, he's competing for playing time with some other guys. And so they sent him down there and he's just hitting his way out of that. He is going to be promoted to play soon. The problem is going to be that he doesn't have a position. He's not a good defensive catcher. As far as I know, he's not a particularly strong outfielder. He reminds me a lot of Kyle Schwarber when he came up. And Kyle Schwarber, you know, he hit great almost every every time when he was healthy in the major leagues. And the problem was always, where, where do we play him? And I think the Yankees are going to have that dilemma with Austin Wells very, very soon. 
Ah, All sorts of good news for Wells. He has lowered his strikeout. Yep. No, no, keep going. Go for it. So he's lowered his strikeout rate. So last year, you know, he he hit the crap out of the ball last year too, but he had a 30% strikeout rate at high A. That was really concerning. A lot of minor league baseball players, you know, the hitters, especially the really good ones, they tend to have a high strikeout rate because they know they can hit it. Right, they can still hit a, a you know a, an 88 mile an hour fastball that's low. Even if they're going to strike out a little bit, they're going get, to get the home runs, and that all becomes a problem for them as they hit the high minors. Um, Austin Wells is is addressing that. He's facing tougher competition and he's striking out less. Um, there's really nothing not to like about his batting line. He's seeing 307, 411, 533. It's not a ton of power, but good on base, good bat, good good hitting. Um, and just the real question is, where is he going to play? And I, I don't have an answer for you. I don't think the Yankees have an answer. He's a left-handed bat. I think the Yankees could use him in the next year or two. Um, but John Carlos Stanton's going to be the DH on this team. I, Austin Wells is not going to be the catcher on this team. I'm willing to make that prediction. And so is he just like a bad left fielder? Is he going to play a little bit of first base? I don't know. Uh, but his bat might be ready like next year. Yeah, almost like a Miguel Andujar type of player. Like there's just nowhere to put him. Yeah, and and look look at Andohar right now. He's hitting he's hitting really he's the only player hitting really really well at AAA right now, and he's not being promoted to the major leagues. You had an injury to Tim LoCastro over the weekend. Tim LoCastro is going to be out for a while. They did not call up Miguel Andohar. They called up Esteban Floreal, who's also not having a bad season. He's actually hitting fairly well, especially for him. Um, but Andohar Andohar it looks like he can hit, but you only get one DH slot. And if you have a three or four man bench, you don't have space for somebody who can't play any positions as well. That's correct. So last guy, Trey Sweeney. Yeah, Trey Sweeney's a first round pick a couple of years ago. Another college guy, a college. Um, interesting, he was a B2 player. So he was playing for Eastern Illinois and was hitting like, you know, he was slugging like 800. He was hitting 400. He was just incredible for, for Eastern Illinois. It used to be the case you'd see college players hit like this a lot. And then they kind of made you use dead or bats. So they got rid of these really, these kind of like uh, these just really juiced bats that players were allowed to use, and and uh, and so he was he just he's putting up old college numbers. Now he was putting up old college numbers. Now that was in D two, and the question was always, okay, is he going to hit? Right? Is Trey Sweeney a a major league hitter, or is he just a guy who you know has some skills that can own D two? And the answer has been that at least in the minor leagues, he's actually been pretty good. So he right now has a 118 WRC plus, so 18% better than average. And that's despite a fairly slow start. Um, one thing to be keep an eye on, he's striking out a lot. So we'll see if he can kind of be that that uh, kind of high, um, you know, high average hitter. Um, right now he's playing shortstop. No one really thinks he's going to stick at shortstop. I think he's most likely a um, – he's just most likely a, a third baseman going forward. But, you know, right now pretty good. Uh, you'd like to see the strikeout rate come down, the walk rate go up a little bit. But he's hitting for power, and you know that's been good enough so far. Awesome. Hey, EJ, you know what? You are a font of baseball knowledge, especially when it comes to, well, the minor leagues, but really everywhere. It's it's great. Do you have any parting thoughts, any last things before we wrap this show up tonight? Yeah, just generally, it's not been a good year for the Yankee minor league system so far. I mean, we talk about some individual players. There's not a lot of really big success stories right now, and I wonder if there's something with the way they train this offseason or – I don't know. There's something affecting a lot of players at the same time. A lot of guys we didn't talk about today, Everson Pereira, Antonio Gomez, they're not having good starts to the season. Some of the pitchers are having okay starts, but some are also just having pretty bad starts. This is after a year where basically everything went right for them last year, and I really do wonder what's going on. Well, you know, sometimes it's just the old bell curve, the law of averages, right? Like everything seems to work out in the end, and maybe if they overperform some of these guys last year, they – 
you know, regress to the mean and, and they become the true player that they really are. Maybe have, you know, pretty good season, sometimes lesser good, less, less good seasons another time. All right, EJ, as always a great uh, hour together, a lot of fun. My dear friends, this has been the Start Spreading the News program on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network, and we will see you right back here, 9 p.m. next Monday, as we continue to try to regain the spot as the number one program on this network. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>